0: Party on, Sal!
1: Rock on, rock on, rock on! Well, welcome, podcasters, to another episode of the Party on John Cast, the most rockin', most excellent podcast that covers music, uh, brews, whether it's adult or not, uh, and theology. Uh, we are one of probably one of the most Christo-centric podcasts on podcast networks. Mm -hmm. Probably not. I just made that
2: (laughs) I'll go with it. We'll go
1: with it. Uh, So yeah, I'm Reverend Sal Smarco. I'm a uh, ordained teaching elder in the Presbytery of Newton in the Presbyterian Church USA in the validated ministry of chaplaincy.
0: And whether we're the most Christocentric or not, I will say that we are the most rockin' for sure. We are. That, you know, bias, sure, but truth. (laughs) Or hashtag cold hard truth, <laughs> as uh, certain Michelle Obama talked about last night. Anyway, <laughs> um, I am, of course, uh, the rock and Reverend uh, Todd Laddick. Um, I'm an ordained elder in the Greater uh, New Jersey. Uh, the blah. <laughs> i am the rockin reverend who can't talk todd laddick who is um an ordained elder in the united methodist church of greater new jersey serving a congregation in new jersey uh slightly on higher ground from Sal. it's the
1: only higher ground i give him because god ordained it that way predestined
2: <laughs>
0: it is the truth it is. um
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, we have a definite most rockin' uh, discussion today. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, one one might even call it hellish. Oh yeah, a, a devilishly good good conversation. And I maybe. mean, if
1: you could, uh, if you're around for the the bonus segment, you'll see our backgrounds. But yeah, our backgrounds <laughs> are definitely the most most metal. Background <laughs> you can get for two podcasters,
0: yeah, especially for a, Christoc- a Christocentric <laughs> podcast. Right. Um, so, uh, also uh, this being a devilishly good time tonight is foreshadowing perhaps our Halloween segment, but we won't go there. You'll just have to listen in October first, twenty twenty. Be there or be square, and that's really not fair to squares.
1: It's not, but remember, Huey Lewis did say it's hip to be square.
0: <laughs> it's true. That's true. Um, and uh, hips, ironically, are not square. No. So um, I don't know what you would call a hip, poly, you know.
1: Well, there's a ball in there somewhere in the hip.
0: <laughs> there oh. is a ball in there. <laughs> ball in it, <net> maybe? <laughs> oh, I'm not going there. Okay. Uh <laughs> Remember, guys, we introduced ourselves, at episode one, as infantile minds. We That's right. <laughs>
2: We're
0: the most
1: irreverent infantile podcast, theological podcast you can find.
0: Juvenile and infantile. Uh, all day long, all night long. Rock on. Rock on. So um, I guess that brings us to our
3: Hebrew segment.
1: I almost said, hey, guys, because the last couple episodes we've had guests on. Yeah. But hey Todd. <clears throat> yes, Sal. How do we know that God loved beer and or coffee? How? He wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. Yeah,
0: every time. Hey, Jesus says peace distill. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we got a combination of that today, actually, don't
0: we? We do. We totally do. Okay, so who wants to go first? <clears throat>
1: I'll go first. I'm gonna Sounds I'm sweet. taking taking a, a cue out of Todd's playbook. Yeah. <laughs> so, I bought and I put this up on I, I put this up on our Twitter account. Um, did a funeral in the beginning of August, and so to reward myself, I bought a small bottle of Basil Hayden's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, from Bur- uh, it says uh, artfully aged in Kentucky hillsides, houses, then bottled in a, a smooth eighty proof. Uh, Basil Hayden's sophisticated taste remains true to the old family recipe with more rye than traditional bourbons and the trademark spicy finish.
0: So have you opened this bottle yet?
1: I had a small taste the other day, but I'm going to actually officially...
0: Okay, because you are in for a delicious treat. Did you hear that? Oh, I heard. I love that sound.
1: It smells very spicy. I'm going to do a very small taste because I do have another drink coming up.
0: Uh, Where are you going tonight?
1: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So let's see. It is 80 proof, so it's not strong, but anything over uh, 5% alcohol for me is strong because I'm a beer guy. Definitely is very smooth. It does have that spicy. You don't get the burn until it's halfway down your windpipe. But it's very smooth, very spicy, not overpowering. Whereas the last bourbon I reviewed uh, or drank, the Rebel Yell, which has not been touched since that episode, was very. Um, it was a Rebel No. <laughs> it was very. Well, it, it had a very manufactured, very sugary taste to it, like a artificial sweetener taste to it. This does not have any artificial taste or sweetener, and I've got the. Uh, I got the thumbs up from Evan and Drew over on the God and Whiskey podcast for it. So,
0: yeah, yeah, and and uh yeah, Drew said uh, the only thing Rebel Yell's good for is a mixer. mixer. I, I don't even know if I'd go there, but sure, why not?
1: Yeah, so, well, I'll keep it for a rare occasion that I need to mix with something.
0: Yeah, you need whiskey in your, you know, uh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um. It could clean out the toilet bowl, maybe.
1: Could be. Could it did it. actually. That did the rebel ale did give me a really bad headache. So.
0: Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. This won't. So, this is this is good shit.
1: It's very smooth. So, and then I'm following it up with, and because it's the most metal episode, Einstock, with the Viking on it. Yeah. Uh, so this is a. This is Icelandic Arctic Berry Ale. It's a white ale with berries, blueberries.
0: Cool. Did you just happen upon it or you knew about it?
1: No, I've had it before. Okay. It's really good beer.
0: Okay. I did see your uh, Rose uh, in um, uh, you know, Brooklyn, uh, saw it, not in Brooklyn, but Brooklyn Brewery Company. Uh, I saw that in uh, the store the other day, Tempted to get it, and then said, your weight, Todd, your weight. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't, and instead I got bourbon. Hmm. And you know what bourbon I got? And I'm about to show you. I I actually pre-poured tonight because I figured, you know what? It's just less to carry upstairs. So, uh, yes, folks, I am upstairs uh, in the cemetery. Um, So I have a bourbon right here by the, you probably can't see it. Can can't you Sal? No, Cause,
1: nope, cause your background. Okay.
0: Well, I will quickly take my background off so Sal can see it. Um, of course the rest of you are just listening. So that that's okay. But let me, uh, just quickly, quickly go to, there we are. You see this right there? Look at the color mm-hmm. of that. This my friends is, uh, Jack Daniel, Jack Daniels barrel proof. It, clocks in at 64.65% alcohol by volume, 129.3 proof. So um, I am going to tell you right now that this stuff is absolutely phenomenal, um, and I'm going to taste it. You ready? Ready. Oh, man. Warm and tingly. Oh, um it just is, like, like it's so full. Like, this is how nature intended Jack Daniels to taste, if that makes sense. It is so full of awesome Jack Daniels flavor. If you've ever had Jack Daniels, it has that robust, smooth flavor that Jack Daniels has. But it's, like I said, 127.6% proof um 64 alcohol by volume so like you can literally feel it evaporating off your tongue as it touches it's like <laughs> and it's like warm <clears throat> all the way down but but for that proof it's not it's not incredibly harsh for that for that proof i mean it's really good
1: so we could start a conspiracy theater theory that it it kills
0: covid germs. <laughs> we could we could it it, it it, certainly, if you rubbed it on your hands, it probably would. Not necessarily because it has to be. I mean, sixty is pretty up there, but seventy percent is, you know, foolproof. I think, yep. or above. But it's it's up there. Yep. It, it it could possibly kill or seriously damage your COVID germs on your hands. Nice. You might have like half COVID. No, <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, I I just realized I forgot to tell what say what the uh, the Einstock uh, oh. blueberry. So that's there. You okay. can see it. No, yep. it's got to put, I in, see it. It's, uh, it, it's basically, it's got a, very much has the nose of blueberries, but when you drink it, it tastes more like a blue moon, mm-hmm. more like just a, a wheat ale. So, I'm, and I know that uh, our friend Blake you know, mm. is a big fan of this, so.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I just bought uh, last week, uh, Viking blood. Uh, mead, uh, which comes right out of, uh, I don't know if Denmark, one of those uh, Nordic uh, c- c- countries. Um, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was like $36, $37 a bottle. Um, mead, right? Yeah, mead. Yeah, honey wine. Has hibiscus and is uh, hop had uh, slightly uh, hopped, uh, which is interesting because I've never had hopped mead before. But it, you could barely taste the hops. I mean, it was subtle. Uh, the hibiscus, though, added a nice like reddish hue to it, hence the Viking blood. Um, as for me, the other drink I brought up because you know, drinks are always better in twos than they are singles.
2: you
0: got to bring a, a, you know, got to have two at least to have a date, right? So uh, <laughs> that was a bad, very bad, bad joke. Okay, so what I have here, and, and Sal can see it right now. It's just, it's just the alcohol in a cup but it will soon be more than that this is the kraken black spiced rum i've never had the kraken before until yesterday i i saw uh i was gonna go for captain morgan hundred proof which is a solid uh spiced rum but the kraken caught my attention i like this the design of the bottle uh the, the label uh, with the kraken giant squid thing on it and I said, "Ooh, black spiced rum." It got me, so I bought it, That's and good. it makes a phenomenal rum and coke. Which this will be when I'm done with my bourbon. Nice. So uh, this is uh, this is y- you can literally see it. It's like the it's the color of coke syrup. I mean, it's black. So um, never never had that before. Evidently, they get that by adding a lot more molasses. Which okay. how could that ever be bad? Right. Um so that's what I'm drinking. Nice.
1: Another good uh another good rum is uh, Sailor Jerry's.
0: Sailor Jerry's, yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: nautical themed. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I love nautical themed rums. So, like whether it's Captain or Kraken or Sailor uh, Jerry's um y- you know, it's where it's at in my opinion
1: takes a smack and keeps on whacking (laughs) I promise I just started drinking I haven't been drinking
0: (laughs) so uh well I guess that uh that does it for our he brews segment
1: nice so does that lead us into the most excellent music music segment
0: it does totally totally so uh yeah we're like we totally had a bill and ted's moment here we're like nodding like yeah whoa
1: (laughs) Speaking of which speaking of which that'll be out on on demand and in theaters when this podcast comes out september 1st bill and ted's actually moved it back to august
0: 28th oh they moved it back to august 28th
1: yep so when this movie when our this podcast comes out the movie will be on demand
0: yeah yep so go watch it oh so it isn't opening on september 1st anymore
1: i think it's opening in theaters on september 1st but they're gonna put it on demand
0: two days earlier cool uh so go see it like that's a double reason to be excited september 1st when you're listening to this you gotta go see it man it looks amazing it does so cheers bro cheers Cheers. oh yeah most excellent music
1: So Bill and Ted saved the music, and so let's talk about music. So you yes. go first, Todd, since I went first with drinks.
0: Okay, so uh, obviously I am gothed out. You can't see that, folks, but uh, those of you who subscribe to our Patreon, <laughs> uh, you will see exactly what I look like right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he'll have his. He'll have his background back up for the bonus. Oh yes,
0: yes, I will. Yes, I will. In fact, I need to put that back up. Uh, but before I do, I am listening to, I have been totally like gothifying everything in my life right now. Uh, for those of you who, who need a short introduction to this, I have always been. And I think if you listen to our episode with, uh, Rev Leviathan, um, I have always been a goth at heart. Like, uh, I dressed this way as a teenager. Um, I listened to this music. I've never stopped listening to it. Um, sal knows the wacky crazy guy i am mm-hmm. um so like this isn't a surprise for people who know me who like really know me uh but i've been deciding you know like like hey what's wrong with that style i like that style it's who i am i mean i wouldn't show up at the pulpit on sunday this way or would i <laughs> um but but you know um it is who i am so
1: with your uh with your current sermon series i'd say go for it <laughs>
0: that'll be the next rock and roll next rock and roll sermon series will be like uh, goth gotha we'll do like christian death
1: i'm sure i'll hear about it in my chapel service if you do
0: (laughs) you will (laughs) if i do christian death especially um but uh and those of you who don't know the reference google it christian death goth band, pretty quintessential american goth band. Uh, with a whole dramatic history. Anyway, um, so that's the backstory is I am super into Goth, always have been love the music, love the style, and uh, I'm embracing it as an adult because why not? So um, the song I'm listening to though, which fits the theme of today uh, is called "The Beast" by Savior Machine, which was a band that actually we did discuss a little bit on that episode with uh, Reverend Leviathan. So here's what the beast uh, sound uh, sounds like. Well, here's what the beast lyrics are: The Prince of Darkness,
3: the man possessed. Ten horns arise, the seven heads. The ancient serpent, the ancient name. The fallen angel crawls in shame. The dark Messiah, the lawless one. The face of tyranny is born. The son. Behold the nail, the sent, the sentence of death. And Jesus wept. It is manifest and the beast alive and its hour come crawling toward the city to be born again the new world order the black abyss the reign of terror the savior's kiss the final solution is seven years the great delusion behold the tears the virus parasite feeding in bondage, the rings of flesh in its teeth breathing carnage. The wall of disease arises, the living hell, the desperate nightmare is becoming real. And the critical hour has arrived in the sacred land. To the nation, revelation is at hand. And the little horn is rising, rising to stand. In this horn our eyes, lie the eyes of man.
0: So, um, I thought that was a really great. It's a really great song, goth song. But the reason I selected it, aside from its greatness as a goth song, and Savior Machine is a Christian goth band. So, if you didn't get that from the lyrics, they're pulling their interpretation of Revelation 13 out into that song. Um, the reason why I chose it is because it it it, it utilizes a common. Uh, modern interpretation of the beast. And since we're going to be talking about the beast, <laughs> anyway, since we're going to be talking about the beast, uh, I thought that that would be a good song to choose from because it is talking about a, you know, a seven year pre-tribulation, um, you know, end times scenario. So that's my choice. Great song, by the way. Save Your Machine, The Beast.
1: Nice. Check it out. Yes. So I went, I did not goth it out today because I was never a goth. I was more of a metalhead skater kid in high school. Uh, so I've got my, my, 80s, my 80s concert t-shirt on from Europe. But I'm not going with Europe today. I'm going with um, Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see my uh my background is apropos to our topic. I'm actually not choosing the song that our or that our topic was based off of. I'm going with another song because we'll go into that song later. Yeah. With our topic. Um I went with uh one of my favorite maiden albums was actually uh the first album they did without Bruce Dickinson. He mm. we went off to do a solo career in ninety five. Uh it's called uh what's the album called? album is called The X Factor mm, yeah it's just a really good uh, like there's a song called Sign of the Cross uh, The Aftermath Blood on the World's Hands The Edge of Darkness to The Unbeliever mm-hmm. but I'm going with a song called Judgment of Heaven it's Ooh. not specifically apocalyptic but it is talks about kind of what is part of the apocalypse the judgment of people mm. So this is, and this was a, I really got into this album around 2000. Uh, um, Todd and I have been pretty open about our struggles with anxiety and depression. Oh yeah. This is an album full of anxiety and depression. So the lyrics of Judgment of Heaven from Iron Maiden are, A lonely cry for help, reaching out for help to anyone. A silent prayer to God to help you on your way. I've been depressed so long, it's hard to remember when I was happy. I felt like suicide a dozen times or more, but that's an easy way. That's the selfish way. The hardest part is to get on with your life. Uh, You're searching in the dark, clutching at straws to find a way. You take the tarot cards and throw them to the wind. You question your beliefs, your inner thoughts, your whole existence, and if there is a God, then answer if you will, and tell me my fate, tell me my place, tell me if I'll ever rest in peace." If you could live your life again, would you change a thing or leave it all the same? If you had the chance again, would you change a thing at all? When you look back at your past, can you say that you're proud of what you've done? Are there times when you believe that the right you thought was a wrong? All of my life, I've believed judgment of heaven is waiting for me. All of my life, I've believed judgment of heaven is waiting for me. Mm. And it repeats that a couple times.
0: That's very goth, very goth. Yeah, like actually, for you know, well, that's what I like about metal. See, Sal and I entered the metal scene in different ways. Um, I mean, I think we all grew up listening to probably Metallica, Megadeth, and stuff like that. But, but my entry into goth, uh, into metal, really came through the goth scene through a band called Moonspell, um, which I will bring up in our October again foreshadowing I'll bring up in our October segment but moonspell uh is goth and metal and when I say metal I mean metal like when I say goth I mean goth they're really a mixture of the both and th- those lyrics bro um totally th- th- that's why goth and metal fit so well together I think because oftentimes if we're not talking about the system i'm railing against the system in metal we're talking about our inner demons in our, our struggles. And that is exactly what that is. Yep. Man. Great song.
1: Yeah. So the, the 2 a.m. song that I almost did was also has similar lyrics of like, life seems so pathetic. I wish I could leave it Mm -hmm. all behind. Uh, This canvas chair, this bed, these walls that fall in on my mind, hold on for something better that just drags you through the dirt. Do you just let go or carry on and try to take the hurt?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's so um, well, that's what I love about that album from Maiden. I mean, Maiden, you know, when I worked in the music store, there was two guys had a, had a long discussion of Iron Maiden and they loved him because he was a history major. They write about history. And mm. yeah, there's some historical themes. Uh, but they, you know, that, that record especially is very, you know, they talk very openly about what it's like to struggle
0: Absolutely, yeah, and it's important. And I would, I would actually go out on a limb and say this, and you correct me if you think this is silly, uh, Sal. But I'm Sorry. sure many of our listeners struggle too, if not all of them. Not uh, maybe in the same ways that you and I have, but you're struggling with something, you know, whatever it is. Um, if you are such a person who is struggling and think that you're in a place where you can talk about it you know, constructively like we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show and let's talk about struggles. Let's talk about struggles for a, yeah. uh, in a future episode, maybe over time here and there we'll do a series on struggles not consecutively but we'll do an episode here and then down the road another episode. If that is something you're interested in and you would like to hang out with us um, over over your drink of choice, whatever it be um, let us know reach out to us uh, party on Johncast at uh, gmail.com and uh, Facebook you know I'm at uh, uh, TR Lattic. And you are
1: Uh, on Twitter. Twitter. I'm Twitter. I'm at Salvatore Sirmar one on Facebook. Salvatore Sir
0: Yes, and probably better to
1: probably better to reach out on Facebook because I am pretty private on Facebook.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, You can reach out to me however you will, but but keep in mind that you need to uh, opt to uh, reach out to me. You know via a direct message, private message, you know, that sort of thing. If you if you do it on my wall, it's not going to be very private and I can't help that. <laughs> that makes sense, right?
1: That's right. Um, and hopefully you're not struggling to listen, listen to this episode.
0: Hopefully not, but I don't think so because we rock. Yeah. If you're struggling to listen to this episode, what are you doing? Like it, it's called the off button, man. <laughs> don't
1: tell them that. Don't tell
0: them that. <laughs> Oh, we just gave out of. A- <laughs> Oops! Can we rewind that?
2: If you're struggling to listen to this episode, what are you doing? Like it, it's called the off button, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we just gave out of. A- <laughs> Oops.
0: Um. No. So. So those are our uh selections but yeah we're cool i think we're cool to hang out with uh we're, we're i mean anybody who's been on our show will let you, you know we'll let you know that we're easygoing we kind of fly by the seat of our pants sometimes literally and um and you know we're chill so there's no pressure uh and we'd love to have you on
1: and sometimes you get to hang out with my with my my son
0: that is a very possibility that's a very big possibility that that could happen and uh, i would say this um not only not only that but i think we may be one of the few that i've heard podcasts offering our listeners a chance to hang out with the hosts with the hosts yeah i i haven't heard that really yet it mm-hmm. could be out there somewhere but but we're, we're, we're throwing that in. So if you do, you want to reach out to us, uh, by all means, uh, do. And all of our contact information is already in our podcast notes. So feel yep. free to uh, look at the notes and reach out to us by whichever way you decide. Yep. Um, so with that said, uh, I guess that brings us to our main segment.
3: Is
0: six hundred and
2: sixty-six.
0: Yes. So, um, and as you can see, Sal, I'm back in the cemetery. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a you good. Could expect good luck to meet
1: the beast there. <laughs> yeah, and I've got the beast chasing me down the down the street on my By back a, with a forked tongue and flames.
0: So, um, basically, um, there is a a lot of end times shite out there. I don't know how else to put it. Um, You know, like there's a lot of – rumors and theories and theologies and talk about what the end times are how they look you know who's the antichrist you know of course right now donald trump is because he's the current president before him it was barack obama before him it was george bush and so on and so forth down the line of course hitler was the antichrist until he got you know until he killed himself uh, it's just like it keeps like you know like we look at at the end times through it in what I would say through a very narrow lens that mm-hmm. is actually rather new in Christian theology. So take um, it away. So.
1: Yeah, I was going to say in a, in the scope of Christian history, um, end times theology really, I mean, it's been, obviously we've had the book of revelation throughout the history of the church, but actual end times apocalyptic, theology really hasn't been considering 2000 years of history it's only been around since
0: the what was it
1: mid 1800s mid 19th century
0: in its current form for sure
1: form. Y- yeah With for sure Dar- Darby um
0: yeah John Darby yep,
1: yep. um very, and like Todd said very narrow reading of scripture uh maybe two or three scriptures out of the the epistles and the book of Revelation, how some Matthew
0: and Mark in there, uh, and then of course, you got the book of Daniel and Revelation, yeah.
1: The book of
0: Daniel, yeah. Oh, and not let's not forget First Thessalonians, you know, First, was, uh, yeah. you know, the rapture verse. And I put rapture in air quotes, by the way, because it's really not a thing,
1: yeah,
0: like not a thing the way they interpret it anyway.
1: And uh, a lot of your modern, why would they be pre tribs, pre tribulation, a lot of your your end times people now really do hit on the first Thessalonians rapture.
0: Right. So just to sum it up, we're not going to go into terminology too much because it, that would be a very long, it, you would want to us. hit that off button like very soon. But here is the summation of John Darby's uh, pre-trib, uh, you know, um, kind of, Theology. It goes something like this: throughout history, there have been different dispensations, different periods, different ages, uh, and right now, currently, we are in the uh, the age of the church. I guess this was what this dispensation would be. But of course, the age of the church hasn't, you know, gotten rid of the evil in the world per se. That evil still persists. The church is around and doing its thing because Christ ordained us to do it. But at some point, Jesus Christ will come back and return as the King of glory. But before he does, okay, earth is going to continue to spiral out of control. It's going to spiral into uh, to a hellish state. And as those times approach, Christians are going to fall under more scrutiny. They're going to fall under more persecution. They're going to go through what, what becomes known as the Great Tribulation, uh, where uh, where you have to take the mark of the beast. If you don't take the mark of the beast, either in your hand or your forehead, uh, you are going to be persecuted and killed. And um, before any of that happens, right before this period, and it's going to be a seven-year Great Tribulation, seven-year Tribulation period, right before that happens, Jesus is going to mysteriously appear in the in the in the dead of the night and just rapture his church those faithful believers who believe in him before they have to suffer any great tribulation those who are on the fence and aren't quite christian and those who are wicked they're going to be left behind and and hopefully at some point during that seven-year period more and more people will come to know christ and stand up against the antichrist or the beast and at the end of the seven year period, Jesus will, the second coming of Jesus will happen and he will conquer evil, the lake of fire, all of that, and, and then heaven on earth will will happen. Um, of course, if you really count the rapture, Jesus secretly coming, really the second coming becomes the third coming, but that's you know details, Todd. Te- it's details. details, right. So um anyway, that is the general summation of pre tribulation uh end times eschatology end times theology so um end times eschatology is really redundant so end times theology that is that theology in a nutshell and as sal said it basically came about the late what 1700s early 1800s somewhere in there mid or was it mid mid 1800s i think 1800s okay yeah so um, I may be thinking John Dar- Darby's birth rather than when he actually postulated the the thing. But anyway, in that time frame, yep. um, and it took off. It really it took off. off. I don't know how well it took off initially, but through the 20th century, with the rise of the moral majority and the evangelicals, um, that theology, became, you know, the, the late great planet Earth by uh, uh, Hal Lindsey. What is it? Hal? Hal Lindsey. um who wrote that Hal Jenner Uh
1: did he also write the left behind series
0: no that's um that's uh Tim LaHaye and uh I forget the other guy but the late great planet there we are um there was a movie on it Hal Lindsey I was right darn it go with your gut Hal Lindsey wrote the late great planet Earth, and then there was a movie made off of it, and then of course Tim LaHaye La and whatever his name is. <laughs> you can tell how interested I am in those books. Uh, they came out with their twelve book like series. Actually, it ended up being longer than twelve books because they added to it. But um, it's called actually, Left Behind.
1: There was actually several movies made. Yeah, there was a video game made. Yeah. I tried to read the book actually because uh, I was at GameStop and you could get the game for like five dollars, and it came with the first book. Okay. So I sat down, ironically, I sat down on the toilet and tried to read the book and uh, made it through about five pages and said, this is is bull bleep 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 and Mm. threw it in the garbage.
0: My my experience was actually different. Um, I didn't get the game. Um, but I, I had just come back to the church in 2004. I forget when the first book was written or not written. Uh, but I came back in 2004 and that was the height of the left behind, like, like era. And so I, I started to read it and fell passionately in love with it and thought like, oh my God, this is so true. This is going to happen like this. And, you know, and I read all 12 books, all, all 12 books. Do I own them today? No uh but i owned all 12 books and i read them got really into them and went to church uh and said to my pastor like oh my god like like this is gonna happen this is gonna it says it right there in the bible that you know the antichrist is gonna rise up and blah 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 and my my pastor's like uh where where in revelation does it say that <laughs> so i pointed it to him and he had me read it out loud and i realized oh it doesn't actually say that. It's, right. you know, and, and what the more I dug into it, the more I realized like it says that if you marry it to this, 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 and this, but on its own, it says nothing of the sort.
1: You have to essentially what the theology does is cherry picks a couple of scriptures and puts them together. Correct. Um, you'll remember um, uh, Kirk Cameron.
0: <laughs> left behind yeah
1: became growing, growing pains growing pains fame he when he became a born-again christian he he was a big part of the left behind movies mm-hmm. um uh nicholas cage did a remake of the left behind movie yeah. recently and that was actually that was ca- better better
0: yeah um, the theology it, is still crappy but it, it set it set the it really as a as a faith film did set Pressing questions for people to think about uh, without going into the too much of the left behind theology. It just said, what if, what if, yeah. And it it wasn't bad and you had Nick Cage. So, I mean,
1: yeah. But uh, so I think, and this is where I was going with that. I I think that a lot of this theology uh, today is so prevalent was it was very much ingratiated as Todd said into the evangelical Mindset and a lot of the evangelical mindset comes out of the Pentecostal movement, which yeah. happened not not too after that, early, late, late, late 1800s, early 1900s, uh,
0: 1920s. late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, nineteen twenties in particular. Um, I think,
1: yeah. The, the very much the piety movement and the the holiness movement of, pushing uh,
0: against the roaring twenties,
1: yeah, yeah, pushing <laughs> yep. the, yep. the debauchery of the that they saw in the twenties and
0: the prohibition, uh, all that, yeah, yeah.
1: Um. But you'll, you'll see it today in today's – you'll see it in a really – I mean, go on Facebook or Twitter and follow some of these debates on politics nowadays, and you'll see it prevalently. I mean, there's – I've seen posts on creation care, like how we should – Christians should take care of the – and of course, it's always the conservative Christians who are like, this earth is going to die. Why do we care? We're not going to take care of it. – it's like – and that that's, comes out of this theology yeah. of well, – the, You know, because they they take literally in Revelation when it says the new heaven and the new earth, Uh, but that doesn't negate the all of the scripture where
0: God it it doesn't it doesn't. In fact, in fact, if you want to look at what if you want to look at this from a broader perspective of just human sin, though human sin is the big picture, um, but you know we, we look at human sin as like human against human. But if you look at God throughout the ages, you look at the, you look at uh, the, the Garden of Eden story, you look at uh, you know, Jeremiah, you look at Isaiah, you look at Daniel even, you look at Revelation, you you look at Jesus Jesus' own analogies you utilizing nature. Um, Sin didn't just affect human-to-human relationship. It didn't just affect human-to-God relationship. It, it affected human-to-planet, human-to-nature relationship. And, uh, and part of God's anger toward humanity and the reason why revelation even is a thing, in part, not in whole, but in part, I think some people overemphasize this, but, but part of it is that we've destroyed the earth. We've destroyed the very thing we were supposed to be stewards of. And, and God, God's great laments isn't just on one aspect of of our sin, but all of it, including what we've done to the earth. Right. Which is why it needs recreation, by the way. That's right.
1: Um, That's, and that's a big part of your theology around veganism.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Is that in fact, uh, people, it's, it's an ongoing joke. Uh, Sal and I get the joke and we'll, we'll verb each other on it. But like, you know, uh, people are like well in the Bible you eat meat. Yeah, in the Bible, post fall, <laughs> post post when sin entered entered in, yeah, people ate meat. But uh, but the Garden of Eden not not the case. At least if we're going to take it literally,
2: right? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, this is just a, a divergent thought. To a lot of the tribulation apocalyptic apocalyptic people who are into this theology also take very seriously or very literally, um, in the creation story after the, you know, before the fall, mm. when God tells, uh, Adam to have dominion over all the creatures.
0: Oh yeah. Um,
1: they take subdue uh,
0: the earth.
2: Yeah.
1: They take, yeah. it's called dominionism. Uh, they take that as, Oh yeah, we have control. We have the power. We, we can subdue everything. Yeah. Nurture the earth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, subduing in in terms of the context. Yes, if, if you are talking about Alexander the Great, and he uses the word subdue, you can take that to mean, you know, beat down conquer, you know, because that's what Alexander the Great did. But if you read the whole context of Genesis, it, even the whole context of the creation story, you cannot get, Beat down, destroy, and conquer the earth because it's yours. Out of that, you just can't. God set us up as stewards. He gave us the ability to name things, to care for it. So when God says subdue it, He means tame it, make right. it, make it something that 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 encourages, promotes, you know, life and abundance, right. not something that 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 you know uh, honors greed and, and destruction. Right.
1: This is a this is a thought that just popped up ahead and it might be a good segue into the, the more of our discussion is that often the folks who are into this whole Dominion theology uh and apocalyptic theology um oft, often are the ones who are in support of empire and imperialism.
0: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and this is a great segment segue. Uh, I mean. Yeah
1: though because it's that militaristic you know god blessed america you know Mm. god is you know obey your rulers god has put your rulers in place now i'm going to be a very bad reformed christian here i said yes god puts our our rulers in place but also you have to remember what paul says if those rulers uh, go against the law of god which is love disobey them
0: i was gonna say that's actually a very good reformed position but um uh (laughs)
1: Well, well, I'll say the neo-Calvinist
0: position. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, <clears throat> which kind of segues into the, the Antichrist because the Antichrist sort of is, and this you're kind of seeing this this mashup of theologies because the Antichrist Christ is, you know, this r- leader um, who, if you look at the parlance of Twitter and QAnon Q- conspiracy mm-hmm. theories uh, of the deep state. Like this is all, you know. It's all about empire and like yeah. um, Jesus. You know, while Jesus wasn't inherently po- political and wanted to overthrow Rome, right? He was very much against the empire. You know, right? Yeah. Render under, render under Caesar what is Caesar's and what is God's gods was not saying that it's okay to pay taxes. It was saying that God, and I hate to use this pun right now, but God trumps. <laughs> God
0: God what Trumps, Trumps Caesar. <laughs> um and okay. So this is a great segue. Um one that I think we we need to absolutely go into. There's a lot of offshoots we could talk about. We could talk about the rapture, we could talk about this and that. You know what? That is what it will be, right? Like, like, you know, Hashtag it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag hashtag my god i haven't even gotten through a full glass of this (laughs) bourbon uh hashtag it is what it is um you know different interpretations whatever we can we can we can you know quibble over that later when it comes to the beast there is something very important that you all must understand about end time theology about eschatology about about apocalyptic writing and so Um, so revelation falls under a category of, uh, apocalypse. It's an apocalypse, uh, form of writing. Apocalypse is a style that uses imagery and code language to, to, to convey a certain, a certain point to, to others who are reading it. In the time that revelation was written, these codes were commonplace among the people reading the text Um, And Revelation almost didn't make it into the New Testament because people were concerned that later on the context would get lost and it would be misinterpreted. That's an important (laughs) that was an important struggle in the canonization of the Bible, uh, among others. Revelation almost did not make it in there.
1: You mean the church fathers actually knew what they were doing?
0: Yes, the church fathers were concerned that people would use their imaginations with Revelation and come up with all sorts of weird and wacky things and what happened we did they, they did yeah so 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 revelation made it in for better or worse whatever um i think for better
1: yeah i mean it's i preach on it almost every time a lot of times when i do it
0: absolutely funeral,
1: funerals it's it's a, it's a book of hope
0: it's a book of hope it really is um that's been pardon my french uh, or english bastardized by by many people um but ultimately uh other books in the Bible, such as uh, Enoch, which isn't in our Bible now, because uh, thank you, Martin Luther. Um, but it, it was in the Bible of Jesus's time, uh, the Septuagint anyway, the Greek Bible. Uh, Enoch was uh, an apocalyptic writing, as was uh, Daniel. And Daniel is an apocalyptic writing that uses the language. In fact revelation borrows from daniel in some of that imagery uh and hence uh in refers to daniel's hence why they're, the two are always deeply connected in these conspiracy you know th- theories um in ancient code language beast meant one thing and one thing only empire period empire
1: because uh what was happening when john wrote revelation oh that's right christians actually were being persecuted by the roman empire
0: cheers (laughs) exactly um in fact uh i could go into a a long discourse on how they came to this this possible realization the number of the beast uh we should gong or something there because it's like the total name of our Our segment but the number of the beast is actually uh you know 666 as we all know um is code language more than likely most scholars are kind of acknowledging this now uh at least credible ones the number of the beast almost almost definitely represented nero nero if you were to translate it uh, and actually, do the numerology with the letters that spell Nero in Hebrew. It probably came to Neron or something like that, and it was a a, a slur on his actual name, which mean, meant that six 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 represented Nero. Yeah. Uh, and and it says this is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred and sixty six. Well, who's that man? Nero. Why mm-hmm. Nero? Because he's the epitome of the empire and the worst of it
1: who who ruled in 66 ad and um you know there's some some credible scholarship around it also represents um coinage because the roman mm-hmm. roman emperor who would have been a god yep is on the coin is on coinage and you know the whole idea of not using roman coinage because you're uh being faithful to god
0: also um uh uh Nero did not have a a good relationship with the Parthians as the Roman Empire just didn't have a good relationship with the Parthians uh, aka the Persians at one time um and there was rumor after uh Nero passed away uh due to suicide uh I'm putting this as delicately as I can um that he would one day join because of Rome's uh because of Rome's corruption, and, and some people look to Nero as their hero and their god, there was rumor that he would one day come with the Parthians and conquer Rome so that he would be reborn or resurrected. Um, and so he becomes, in the symbology of Revelation, the head of the, of the beast that was wounded but came back to life. And um, and so so when you add up all those beasts and you add up, I mean, all those heads on the beast and you add up the symbology that it's believed that that beast in Revelation represents Rome. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with six, six, six being the number of the the reborn man, the reborn head of the beast. So. um, okay, so. Obviously, the world didn't come to an end under Nero, so maybe this beast is an archetype rather than literal. What do you think, Sal?
1: I have to agree. I mean, how many times is this? Uh, 2012, the Mayan calendar? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, <clears throat> that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of the hope of the Christian church, isn't it, that, you know, the second coming of Christ, but... That uh, it, it, it's always an an uh, future and past event.
0: It's always a future and a past event, right? And and yes, Christians, Orthodox Christians such as Sal and I believe Christ will return. Yes, we do. Um, but we also follow Christ's warning. Do not try to determine when these things will happen or say here he is or there he is for not even the sun knows when these things will take place. Okay. So if I don't, if I, Jesus Christ, don't know when the end times are going to happen, how the hell do you <laughs> expect to figure it out? It'll happen when it happens. It, hashtag, it is what it is. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, like we're talking about um we're talking about an archetype something that represents the worst the most oppositional figure you can think of to god and at the time when it was written nero was the worst of the worst it was it wasn't written during during nero's time nero had died but there was this rumor he'd be resurrected mm-hmm. um john who wrote this is taking that and using it to set up. This is exactly what God is not right. His name is Nero. That doesn't mean Nero was the quote unquote antichrist. Nero was one of many antichrists and there have been many since, and there'll be many to come. The spirit of antichrist is fluid. It's not a single person though. Though John does say that there will be the antichrist, whatever that means. Um, Right. And
1: we know that context is important and the context of when John wrote this, this book is important. He was being, he he himself was persecuted and sent off to an Island.
0: Yeah, he was on Patmos for witnessing about Christ. Right.
1: Um. So there's, there's a, the quote. I think that's, uh, it's attributed to Bart. I don't know if it, Bart actually ever said it, but Bart said, um, I take the Bible too seriously to take it literally.
0: Yes. Yes. Um
1: there are books of the Bible, like Revelation, that you have to take with a bit of
0: allegory. Yes. Um, it, it loses meaning if you don't.
1: Right. The The message is literal. The stylistic writing is not always necessarily literal.
0: Right, right. And And when I say it loses meaning if you don't take it that way, it literally does. Like, if you think that 666 is the number of a man who is yet to be revealed— you lose the context of everything John was writing mm-hmm. and you'll be, you'll be pointing fingers at the next six, six, six all day long.
1: And you you lose the, you lose the actual message of revelation, which is there is hope because so. Christ will come bring a new, new heaven and earth. And you, you'll lose the message of Matthew that Jesus says at the end where, you know, remember I will be with you. And in- right.
2: Yeah.
0: You
1: know, you'll lose that if you're so focused on yeah. But we have to look for this guy with this number tattooed on his forehead.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You will you will lose all of all of that that depth, that richness, and that hope because right. common place in end times. And you know, I just had somebody uh, reach out to me uh, in a positive way, just to question. You know, what my thoughts were because he knows I'm a pastor. What my thoughts were on an end time. Uh, you know conspiracy theory so to speak it, it's wrong to call it conspiracy theory uh it's it's really just a certain person's end time theology yep. and it was pre-trib you know like your typical uh, except this laid a lot of blame on actually it wasn't it wasn't pre-trib i take that back this one laid a lot of blame on the catholic church and uh was more of a seventh day adventist Uh, theology on that the mark of the beast the seventh-day adventists are markedly different from christians in the sense that they're, they're the same in a lot of ways but but they're different distinctively because they worship on saturday they believe that worshiping on sunday was a constantinian pagan thing And that we should have never stopped worshiping the Sabbath on the Sabbath, which Jews observe it from sundown on Friday evening and sundown on Saturday evening, making the Sabbath. And so that's when uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventists worship. And they believe that because Rome, because the mark of the beast represents Rome, or excuse me, because the beast represents Rome, the mark of the beast is the fact that we worship on Sunday instead of Saturday. Right. And that so many have taken that mark upon themselves by worshiping on Sunday instead of Saturday. So that's in essence where this this particular uh, uh, theology is coming from. But he asked me about it, and you know, it really kind of sparked in me like the, the the reminder that there's so much confusion out there about Revelation, about the number of the beast, the mark of the beast, you know, the beast in general, and that we should really have a conversation about it. Yep. And
1: it's and it and there's so much. Confusing, too, because like Todd said, it's been so – because of the moral, air quotes, moral majority. Yeah.
2: um,
1: This end-time theology has been so wrapped up in conservative politics, Republican politics as of uh, since the 70s. um, Right. It's it's shaped uh, not for the better, but it has shaped how we deal with Israel – Yes, um, how we deal with Palestine, how we deal with all of the Middle East, um, and because part of the theology is that uh, Israel, the state of Israel, has to be reclaimed as a Jewish state,
0: and the temple rebuilt
1: the yep. temple rebuilt um, that that's why these uh, these a lot of you will go there in these political rants because they believe that we we must rebuild the temple. Uh, and only good Christians will be raptured. Christians will be yeah, raptured, yeah. right, uh, when the temple is rebuilt.
0: And hopefully, and hopefully, the almost Christians or not quite Christians will get there through the tribulation. They'll will stick to their guns and you know endure seven years of pure torture, hell on earth, and uh, the Antichrist. Right. Of course, none of that right yes. there. None of that of what I just said right there is biblical. None of it's biblical. There will be persecution. Absolutely, Jesus talks about that. But he doesn't say that certain Christians will get raptured and others will get left behind. No. He does say that, that he will come again like a thief in the night. One will be standing and the other will be left behind. But that wasn't to predict the tribulation. That was to say that Christians ought to be watched, you know, be watchful for him. Because if we're caught asleep and unaware, he's going to come to us like a thief in the night. That was not about the end times. That was about, well, it was to an extent, but it was about remaining diligent while he's gone. Mm -hmm. Like... Like, so, so, like these scriptures, while they have, there's a nugget of truth in them about, you know, the, the the interpretation has a nugget of truth in it. It misses the truth because of its narrow view.
1: Yep.
0: And cherry picking.
1: That's cherry picking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think we've, I think pretty, we've covered this pretty well.
1: Yeah. It's been a good discussion.
0: By the way, I did, uh, I did finally, took me all the way till now because that is a serious bourbon. Nice. Um, but I did finally get going on my Kraken rum and Coke, and it is phenomenal.
1: Very nice. I'm gonna if Jesus a-
0: were to rapture me now, I'd hope he'd leave me behind till I finish this.
1: <laughs> or at least <laughs> let, let you take it
0: with me. Or at least with let it. me take it with I me.
1: Mean, if, if heaven's worth going to, there's got to be at
0: least Kraken rum. All my my fishnets and my tank top and my my uh, spike bracelet and all that, that that would be left behind, but the rum the rum would come. <laughs> Okay, wow. Uh and that is a good place to end it because it only goes downhill from there, folks. Yes.
1: I I just restrained myself.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> so, uh yeah, well thank you guys for joining us. Uh, uh we definitely are going to broach upon a, a similar topic in in October uh, for Halloween. So so stick around. Um but uh y- Brace yourself for October because it's going to shock you. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to probably, come September, put a, uh, a clue on Facebook and Twitter.
0: Ooh, Oh, do. That'll be awesome. It will be infernal.
1: Oh, it would be biblical, but not the way you think.
0: <laughs> yes, it would be a certain kind of biblical Uh, we're dropping a whole bunch of hints here that you need Um, to just pay attention to our social media because we got some interesting stuff going. Some, some might even be abhorred by what we're going to do, but uh, (laughs) it is the Christian thing to do. I think actually
2: Mm -hmm.
0: in a roundabout way. (laughs) So think of the
1: famous line from the church lady.
0: (laughs) So um, what's that? Was that for a hint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. Again, if you want to see what I look like right now, or what Sal looks like, or our backgrounds, uh, you need to subscribe. Um, It's not much. We talk about this every every uh, every podcast. Uh, You're talking two dollars, five dollars, or ten dollars uh whichever is your your poison. Uh, granted if you do the two dollar you won't see us, you'll hear us. You'll but hear if us. you do the five or above, you'll see us. So um rock, and $10,
1: on. rock on and ten dollars get you uh, direct access ass- access to ask us questions and have them answered
0: on the podcast. Direct direct access. You ass- can us, you yeah. can yeah. ask us um, anything you would like. <laughs> <laughs> um so again juvenile minds. Um Mm-hmm. but yeah yeah you get direct uh boy no i'm gonna muff it okay so you're gonna get direct access to okay. us and um and that means actually we'll, we'll also shout you out man we'll, mm-hmm. we'll give you a shout out if you're if you're uh if you're a ten dollar subscriber we'll uh ask you for feedback we'll have uh, a zoom right now well uh, pretty much anytime we'll have a zoom meeting with you to discuss future topics you know uh you really get like vip access if you if you do the ten dollar but if you do the five dollar you'll be supporting us and you'll get your share of awesome extra content for sure do it just do it just do it like nike hashtag it is what it is
1: it is what it is what it is so on that note follow us on uh party on j on twitter at party on j on twitter uh the party on john on facebook um Download us or listen to us on Pod Podbean, Apple Podcast, uh, Google, and uh, Spotify wherever
0: you absolutely, you're- absolutely. Um, at t laddick on Instagram at t r laddick on Twitter uh, Todd R Laddick on uh, or, or AKA the Rock and Reverend at uh, mm-hmm. at uh, Facebook
1: uh, at Sir sir One. Uh, Because it's S-E-I-R-M One On Twitter and
0: Salvatore Rock on Rock on So with that my friends We would like to conclude this by saying Be excellent to each other
1: And don't be a jerk
0: Rock on Rock on